this morning, and uh, for us, it's a, it's a joy to be here with you and to see you again. Our family is here. They're going to they're gonna sing for us, my wife and our youngest son, Levi. They're going to sing and play the instruments. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. You don't have to listen to me. But you'll be able to enjoy them singing, and they're going to they're going to share a couple of songs with the church, and then after that, we'll, uh, we'll give you a quick update, and I'd love to share the Word of God with you this morning. Green and yellow for the guitar. Go ahead and get where you're going to stand and I'll put the microphone where it needs to be.
on this next one, I think most people know the song, What a Beautiful Name it is. Um, but the second verse we're going to sing in Spanish. Honestly, we're much more comfortable singing in Spanish. It's been a lot to have to practice in English. But just so you know what it says, it says that you left heaven to save me. You came to rescue me. You forgave my transgressions, and nothing will ever separate us. And then we say, majestic is your name, majestic is your name, and there's no equal to it, is what we are going to sing on that part. Just so you know. Oh, you're stuck on me again. <laughs> Hold on, don't pull. Yeah, okay. come that way. Okay. Ready? Hidden glory in creation. 
believe all of you would agree if we say that it, his name is beautiful, no? And his name is powerful. We all agree with that. My wife and I and our two boys, we have spent the last 11 years on the mission field, and we have seen the power of the name of Jesus over and over and over again in places where his name has never been named, where people do not know him, they do not love him, they do not follow him, and we've watched Jesus come into their lives and completely change them. It's been absolutely wonderful to see what God can do through the name of Jesus. We believe in the gospel, right? As a church, you believe in the gospel. If I say that the gospel is why you do what you do, do you agree with me? When you sing, if somebody were to sing a gospel song, and it, but the gospel wasn't quite right, would you get upset? If Pastor Joe started preaching some heresy, what would you do? <laughs> He's just back there smiling. He's like, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We believe the gospel. It's why you do what you do. Pastor Forrest, with the teenagers and the children, and many of you maybe, you teach Sunday school class, you do uh, different things here in the church, you share the gospel message. It's what you believe. It's, what, it's our hope. It's everything for us. If I were to simply say the gospel is an important message, you would probably tell me that that's an understatement. For us as a church, we believe the gospel. We believe it is everything for us. It's absolutely everything. If we get the gospel wrong, we get everything wrong. We miss everything if we get the gospel wrong. The gospel message, the same one that you proclaim here in Rinkin, Georgia, it's the same gospel message that we proclaim a thousand miles from here on the side of a volcano in little forgotten villages at about 10,000 feet in elevation to people who have never heard the name of Jesus. We proclaim to them the exact same gospel message that you proclaim right here. We love proclaiming the message. Do you understand the gospel? If somebody says to you, could you explain to me the gospel? Could you do that? Could you explain to someone what the gospel is? I imagine most of you could. At least you'd have a, an idea. You, know, you could at least you know, drive down the road a little ways. You, know, you could share at least the, the main points of the gospel message. And most of us, we, we learn the gospel message from hearing it, hearing the pastor preach. We learn the message through songs. Some of us have studied the gospel a little bit more because we have unsaved um, family members, unsaved friends, unsaved neighbors, co-workers, and so we want to know a little bit more about the gospel message. Why? Because we want to be ready to give a defense. We want to share the gospel message with other people. And I think some of us as believers, we, we do this with, you know, without realizing it. We do it unknowingly, but we believe the gospel message and we know the gospel message a lot of times simply because they need it. You know, the people that are outside of here, they need to hear the gospel message. And so we learn it, we study it, we go over it over and over and over again because we think the day may come where I need to share the gospel message. Or maybe one day Pastor Joe's going to ask me to share a message or ask me to teach. And we think we better be ready. Better be ready to share the gospel message. But I'd like to ask you a question this morning. I'd like you just to think for a few moments about the gospel message this morning. And think for a minute, is the gospel message important for me? Now that I'm a believer, now that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, now that I understand that the name of Jesus is beautiful, the name of Jesus is powerful and has changed my life, he's changed my family, is the gospel message still important for me? Or do I need to study it just so that I can share it with other people? I believe that the Bible is extremely clear when it teaches that the gospel message is important. Not only for them, not only for those who have never heard, but for me as well. If I've been a believer for one year, 
or if I've been following Jesus for 50 years, I believe the gospel message is extremely, extremely important. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open, please, to the book of Titus. The book of Titus. Paul wrote this letter, very, very short letter, to a young pastor, obviously named Titus. Titus had followed Paul around on his missionary journeys. He had spent a lot of time with him. Remember, Paul wrote the book of Romans. If you're unfamiliar with the gospel message, I would encourage you to read the book of Romans. Uh, It's the greatest book that's ever been written, as far as the gospel is concerned. And so Titus has been following Paul around. He is very, very familiar with the gospel message. In fact, Paul has so much confidence in Titus that he tells Titus, I want you to stay behind in this area because there's a, there's a bunch of unorganized and dying churches in this area. And Paul tells Titus, I want you to stay back and you're in control. You're in charge of getting these churches in order. So Paul has a lot of confidence in Titus at this point. So Titus has been going around with him. He's been hanging out with Paul. Can you imagine the conversations, what they would have been like at night or while they're walking those roads, what they must have been talking about? Paul and Titus chatting about the gospel message. When me and Forrest, we were, we were studying, you know, in seminary, we're studying the word of God. We're going to be preaching the gospel one day. I had no idea I'd end up in a village on the other side of the world. Forrest, you know, he'd be right here preaching the gospel to these teens. We had no idea where we'd end up, but... We talked about the gospel, but you, you know what we really talked about more than anything? You remember these conversations? I wonder if, I wonder if Adam had a belly button, you know? You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, things like that. Those are the things we talked about. I, don't, I imagine that Paul and Titus, that's not what they were talking about. I imagine their conversations went really, really deep into the gospel message. So what I want you to get, what I want you to understand is that Titus, he gets it. He gets the message. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I already understand the gospel, I don't need this. Listen to what Paul tells Titus here in this letter. Titus, who already gets it, he already understands the gospel message. Paul tells Titus, this is how you're going to pastor these churches that I'm leaving you in charge of. That's what the letter of Titus is all about. Then we get to chapter 2, verse number 11, right in the middle of the letter, Paul says these words, Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Just in case you missed it, Paul's talking about Christmas right here. Paul's talking about Jesus. The grace of God that brings salvation that appeared, he's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago that we're going to celebrate here in just a few days on Christmas morning. That's what he's talking about. The gospel is the grace of God that has appeared, that gives salvation to all who will believe. Anyone in this room right now who has never trusted in Christ, you could trust the gospel message this morning. You could believe in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. I've watched Kichwa people who've never heard the name of Christ. When we walk them through the Bible, when we share Christ with them, we start in Genesis. And it usually takes a few months. And we slowly walk them through the Bible until we get to the story of Jesus. And when we tell them about Christ and their eyes open and they realize, wow, this was for me. This sacrifice was for me. That's the gospel message. That's why Jesus came to offer salvation to all who would believe. So Paul tells Titus here, Titus, you may be the leader of all these churches, but Titus, you have not graduated from the gospel You can't move on to bigger and better and maybe deeper theological truths. 
You need to stay right here. You need to focus on what the gospel message is. This gospel is for you, Titus. Not just so that you can proclaim it, but Titus, it's for you. As a pastor, this is for you. And I promise for every single one of you that are here this morning, as a Sunday school teacher, as a deacon, as a church member, as someone maybe who's come here for the first time, this message is for you. It's for every single one of us. We're going to continue reading here in Titus chapter 2. Verse number 11, we'll read again. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Verse 12, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why do we need the gospel today? If I'm a follower of Christ right now, if I'm already saved, if I already believe the gospel message, why do I need it today? Verse 11 says that the gospel teaches us how to live righteously. The gospel teaches me how to live a life that is pleasing to God. A life pleasing to God. How many of you want to live a life that is pleasing to God right now? How many of you want to live a life? Every single one of you. You want to live a life that God would look at and say, that's good. That's righteous. That's the kind of life we want to live. And we can't say, well, I believed the gospel 20 years ago, and now I'm going to move on to other things. No, Paul's saying, if you want to live for God today, if you want to please the Lord today, you need the gospel message. The gospel teaches us how to live this kind of life. This word right here, teaching, it carries the idea of instructing, like instructing a child in the way he should go. That's the idea, like a teacher who's teaching a class of young children. That's what the gospel does for us. It teaches us how to live the righteous life today. Today. He says, if you want to live the righteous life, there's some things you have to deny. It says, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. If you're going to live a righteous life, there are certain things you have to move on from. You have to deny. And it's the gospel that teaches us how to deny those things. This word, deny, right here, it carries the idea of rejecting something based on a better knowledge. Rejecting something based on a better knowledge. We have a young man who received the Lord about a year ago, and he had a lot of addictions in his life, and we've been walking with him through discipleship. We'll tell you a little bit more about him tonight. We'll show you some pictures. And God has absolutely, absolutely turned his life upside down. Every addiction you can imagine he was involved in. Everything you can imagine. And God has radically, radically changed his life. Just a few months ago, I was talking to him. We spent a lot of time together, a lot of time in discipleship, a lot of time helping him grow spiritually. And he was telling me the other day, he said, you know, I had, a, I had the opportunity to go back to one of the things I was in before. He said, I was right there. No one would have known. It, I just had the perfect opportunity. And he said, the desire was there, the temptation was there, but something was different. Something was different. And for him, it was the first time he had experienced something like that. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that before. You know, you know what it's like before Christ, and you know what it's like after Christ. Something is just different. The ability to deny what I used to love is now here. The desire, at least, is there. Something is different. Why? Because I've tasted something better. Something is better on the other side. That's what the gospel teaches us. If we move on from the gospel and we completely forget about it, we lose that desire. We lose that ability to say, I'm not going to go back to that life because I've got something better in the future. How many of you like devil crab? Anybody like devil crab? 
I grew up eating devil crab. I love, love, love devil crab, crab cakes, any way I can get it. We can't get it much in Ecuador. We live way, way, way up in the mountains. You know, my wife and I were from the coast. My wife grew up right here in Savannah. And I grew up in Charleston and up in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. We're from the coast. We love good seafood, right? And we've learned it. The phrase, you've heard it, if you can't see the sea, don't eat the seafood. You ever heard that before? Right. That's true. That's true. We live a long way from the sea in Ecuador, right? Long, long way. We've got a few volcanoes in the way. We can't see the sea. So we know don't eat the seafood. So we save it. When we come to the States, we look for seafood. We love to eat good seafood. And we went to this place up in Beaufort one time, this crab place. I don't remember what it's called. Y'all would probably know what it is if I, if I could remember the name. Real fancy place. One of those places, they're, they're really... Um, really proud of their food, and you can tell from the prices and stuff, you know. So we go there, and I ordered crab. I was so excited. We'd been in Ecuador for quite a while. We came back. I ordered crab, and I take the first bite. And, you know, crab is so tender, so delicious. I take a bite, and what do I hear? What do I feel? Crunch. <laughs> you know what that's like? Crunch. And I was like, oh, and I pull it out. Sure enough, crab shell. I take another bite, another crab shell. Another bite, another crunch. Crab shell, crab shell, crab shell. And, of course, if you say something to the waiter, what do they say? Well, you know, it's fresh crab. You know, that happens sometimes. There's not much they're going to do for you at that point. It's fresh crab. But let me tell you something. If we ever go back to that restaurant, you know what I'm not going to order? Crab. I'm not going to order crab. It's not going to happen. Why? Because I have a better knowledge now, right? I'm going to deny the crab because I have a better knowledge. The crab here is not very good. The crab here is not very good. If you study the gospel message, if you spend day after day after day reading the word of God, going deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel message, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have this better knowledge. And you're going to say, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to taste that. I don't want to touch that. I don't want to go there anymore. Why? Because I know something better now. I know something that is so much better. If you want to live the righteous life, you need to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And then look what the Bible says. It says, and we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Soberly means self-controlled. Righteously, like I mentioned, it means a, a life that God would say is right, is good. That's righteously. And godly. What does it mean to live godly? It's kind of a hard word to define, but we know that ungodliness means as if God were not there. That's what ungodliness, that's the idea it carries. So godliness should carry the the opposite end, the other end of the spectrum. If I live an ungodly life, it's my life as if God did not exist. That's an ungodly life. A godly life would be my life as if God does exist. Does your life reflect at all that there's a creator? That there's an actual, real, true God in this universe? Does my life reflect that at all? I believe that atheists should struggle because of our lives. Does your life cause doubts in the mind of an atheist? An atheist is a person who said there's, there's no God. It's a person who says, I've studied history, I've studied religion, I've seen it all, I understand science. There's no way. There's no way there's a God. A person who believes that way should say, I know that there is not a God. But there is that one guy who goes to Rinkin Baptist Temple. He just confuses me. If there's no God, his life does not make sense to me. If there's no God, 
Why is he living that way? Who changed him if there's no God? Who changed her if there's no God? That's the idea of a godly life. Do you want to live that kind of life? You need the gospel message. It's the gospel that teaches us how to live righteously. That's the gospel message. It's what it does for us. And look at verse 13. The Bible says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't it neat that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is not only our Savior, He's also our great God? Great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel teaches us how to live righteously, and the gospel teaches us how to wait expectantly. How many of you are ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? You ready? I was ready yesterday. (laughs) I'm ready today. I'm ready for the Lord to come back. I'm ready to see Him coming on the clouds. I'm excited about that day. Did you notice that in verse 11 it talks about the past tense? verse 12 it talks about this present age. In verse 13 it talks about the future. Did you notice that in those three verses? Past, present, and future. And the gospel touches every bit of it. Touches every bit of it. He changed my life yesterday. He gives me the strength to live today as I wait for Him tomorrow. That's what the gospel message is giving me. I can't wait to see the Lord coming back. And the way that things are changing in the world now, if you've been watching the news, I'm sure everybody here has been watching the news, you know how things are looking in the world. If you've read the book of Revelation, if you have any idea about what's coming, you know things are starting to look pretty similar. Things are starting to look pretty similar. We have no idea when the Lord is coming back. But I think it's close. I think it's close. I'm ready for that day. One day, when the boys were little, Jaden and Levi, they were... They were little at one point, if you believe it or not. They, they were very little. Some of you have seen them. They were, we were in Ecuador, and Jaden, he's standing at the window. He's looking out, and he saw Venus up in the sky, up in the Ecuadorian sky. And he says, he tried to say Venus, but he accidentally said, Vivas. You know, he said, and he screams with all of his joy, I see Vivas. You know, he's so excited. I see Vivas. Levi is in the other room, right? Levi's in the other room, and he's even smaller. Levi was maybe two, I'm guessing. Levi had these big, big curls, big curly hair, and uh, you ladies would be jealous. He had the most beautiful, beautiful hair. Some of you might remember that. You know, when we came here, he had that kind of hair. He didn't get it from me, as you can tell. All right, so <laughs> Levi comes running around the corner. His curls are bouncing all over the place. He comes running. He's so excited. He runs up to the window because he heard his brother yell, I see Vivas. But Levi heard Jesus. He didn't hear Vivas. He heard Jesus. So Levi comes running around the corner. I mean, his eyes were just thrilled. He's like, you see Jesus? And he's running, he's looking out the window. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? He's looking everywhere because he wanted to see Jesus. I want to ask you, do you live with that kind of excitement about the coming of Jesus? Do you live with that kind of anticipation, that kind of childlike faith about the coming of Jesus Christ? I don't know if you've read the scriptures, but when the Bible says that the Lord comes back for us in the rapture, it's in the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to stand there and say, hey, he's coming now. Get ready, get ready, here he comes. It's not going to be like that. We're just going to be living a normal life and we're there. Jesus is face to face with us. We're not going to be able to get ready at that moment. We're not going to be able to get excited at that moment. We need to be excited right now. Right now, the gospel teaches us that we should be living, looking for that blessed hope. Every day when we get up, maybe even look outside and say, Lord, is today the day? Is today the day? Sometimes it's easy just kind of to settle in, 
you know. Put it on cruise control. We don't use cruise control much in Ecuador, as I'm sure you can imagine. There's a lot of roads like this. <laughs> in fact, that's about the only kind of road in Ecuador. We don't have much cruise control. But we've been using cruise control. We've been in the States for a week now, about eight days now. And we've used cruise control all week long. We're just trying to use it all we can. But sometimes, you know, in the Christian life, it's real easy just to set it on cruise control. Just set it and forget it and just live the life. Just head toward retirement, you know. Once you retire, just kind of just kind of enjoy life. Just kind of do what's necessary. And just kind of forget that the Lord's coming back. If Jesus came the first time, which He did, it's absolutely 100% guaranteed that He's coming the second time. Do you live excited for that day? Do you ever think about heaven? Do you have any kind of childlike faith about heaven? Do you wonder what the food will be like? Do you wonder... Do you wonder if we're going to play sports? Do, you have any, do we have any Braves fans in here? Braves bringing home the World Series this year? Hallelujah. Finally. <laughs> Finally. It happened. I became a Braves fan in 1996. Those of you who have been following the Braves for a while, you understand how sad my life has been. <laughs> right? It's been a long, long, long time. Finally, we get the victory. You remember Clayton Kershaw? You know that name? You know he's got a real good curveball? Some of you are completely lost. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Real good curveball. Clayton Kershaw is a Christian. Do you know that? Those of you who know who he is? He's got one of the best curveballs in baseball. Sometimes I wonder, will I have the opportunity to try to hit Clayton Kershaw's curveball in heaven? What would that be like? Why do we never think that we'll have sports in heaven? What will the music be like in heaven? What will the food be like? What will relationships be like in heaven? Do you have any kind of excitement about that day? Because the gospel message guarantees that that's my future. It guarantees it. And there's no reason to live a boring life and think that, that heaven is just a really long, boring church service. It's sad that some people preach that way and some people believe that way. The Bible doesn't talk that way. The Bible says that we can't even begin to imagine what God has in store for those who love Him. How's your heart right now? How's your excitement about heaven? The Bible says that it's the gospel message that cultivates that in our hearts that gives us that joy and that excitement that this is not my home. I have a home waiting for me in heaven, and it's eternal. And I should be living my life today with that in mind. Did you know that the mission field doesn't get easier in time? If you spend any time, some of you maybe have been on mission trips, maybe you've spent some time on the mission field. It doesn't get easier with time. It gets harder. Every year... It's harder than the year before. Every year it gets harder and harder and harder to serve the Lord. You know why? Because Satan's doing everything he can. He knows his days are limited. He's doing everything he can. He's kicking and screaming. He's doing everything he can to stop the work of God. And if you have a desire to serve the Lord here, you're probably going to experience the same thing. It's getting harder and harder and harder. But you know what the gospel message tells us? We have the victory. We're going to win in the end. And it's worth it to serve the Lord now. I heard a story of a missionary who was in Africa for many, many years, spent his whole life in Africa, gave his life to the Lord there. And it finally came time for him to retire. This was many, many years ago. He had to come home to the States on a boat. And he gets on his boat with his wife and left what he had in in Africa, brought a few things back. And on the boat, all the way back to the United States, they're heading to New York City. 
there was a bunch of celebration happening on the boat, but it wasn't for him. It wasn't for his wife. It was because the president was on the boat that day, was on, well, that ship. It lasted several weeks getting back to New York. Teddy Roosevelt was on that boat with him. And Roosevelt had been in Africa on a hunting trip for two weeks. And he had gone to Africa, you know, to shoot all of his, you know, lions and whatever else he, he went to kill. And he came back with all of his game. And everybody celebrated him. They waited on him hand and foot. Everybody was just oohing and aahing because the president was on the boat. And the missionary was just thinking that whole time, he went for two weeks. I gave my life to Africa. He went to take. I went to give. And just thinking about that, just brewing on that, you know, missionaries are real people. We have temptations. We have sins. They finally get back to New York City. When they get there, there's thousands of people waiting. Signs. The newspapers are there. People are just celebrating, all excited. Of course, it's not for the missionary. It was for the president. Teddy Roosevelt finally came home. And so the people are all excited. He gets off the, off the boat. And the president goes down. There's a big celebration. And then the missionary comes down, his wife. There was no one there waiting for them. No one at all waiting for them. No celebration, no excitement, no joy, nothing. The missionary had a few dollars. And he went to a local place to find a room they could stay for a few nights while they tried to settle into America and begin their life over again. And when they got to the room... The missionary began to complain to his wife. It's just not right. It's just not fair. We gave our whole lives and we get nothing when we come home. And so the missionary wife, she's, she gets frustrated. She gets tired, tired of hearing it. She said, you need to go in the other room and you need to go talk to the Lord. My wife's told me that a few times. You need to go talk to the Lord. I can't, I can't fix this. You need to go talk to the Lord. So he goes in the other room and he's there for a couple of hours. Finally, he comes out of the room completely different. Completely different. He's got a smile on his face. He's happy. His wife looks at him and says, what in the world happened to you? He said, I've been talking to the Lord. And he said, and I went in the room and I complained and I complained and I complained. And I said, Lord, we came home and no one celebrated us. No one said a word to us. No one congratulated us for all that we've done. No one. And he said, right about that time, I felt the Lord say to me in that moment, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And that's been so much of an encouragement to me and my wife, just thinking about that story recently, thinking about the truth behind that. This is not our home. We're not home yet. What is the celebration going to be like when we get there? You know what cultivates that excitement in my heart, in your heart? It's the gospel message. It's the gospel. Now's not the time to graduate from the gospel. Now's not the time to move on to bigger and better things. Now's the time to get back to the basics of the gospel message. We use eight simple words to teach the gospel in Ecuador to our people. God, man, sin, death, Christ, cross, faith, life. Do you memorize that? God, he's good, he's eternal, he's a creator. He created all things, including us, in his image. He created us to live in perfect harmony with Him. But what do we do? We sinned against Him. We sinned against Him. We went against Him in every way we possibly could. And so what's the result? Death. Separation from God. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Just, it's so simple, but yet it can be so deep. That's the gospel message. I want to encourage you, if you have never trusted the gospel message, I want to encourage you today, everything about Christmas, everything that we're celebrating, it was so that sinners could be reconciled with God, so that we could be forgiven. You could be forgiven this morning. Your life could be turned upside down this morning. If you've already believed the gospel, if you're a follower of Christ today, let me encourage you. Why don't you make 2022 the year where you go deeper in the gospel than you've ever gone before? Spend some time with Pastor Joe. Say, take me deeper into the gospel. Are there some good books we could read? Is there some way I could, maybe certain passages in the Bible? Pastor, help me to go deeper into the gospel this year so that we can cultivate that excitement, that desire for the future, for what the Lord has in store for us, and cultivate the ability and the desire to live a righteous life today on this earth. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening. We're going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the gospel message. Lord, we know that there is absolutely nothing that we could do to deserve the truth of the gospel message. But Lord, in your love, in your grace, in your goodness, you have chosen to freely give the gospel to all who would believe. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning who has never believed the gospel, I pray that they would understand how much you love them and how much you have already done. Lord, we're not waiting on your love. You already demonstrated your love. You have already shown your love on the cross 2,000 years ago. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who's never received that message, I pray that today they would believe and trust in you and what you have done. And Lord, for those of us who are followers of Christ, we have believed the gospel message. But Lord, we don't want to move on from this message. We don't want to leave this behind and move on to other things. Lord, we want to stand firm and stand strong. And Lord, even go deeper into the gospel message. We want to live a life that is righteous and pleasing to you. And Lord, we want to live expecting tomorrow. Lord, we're excited about what you have for us. I pray that you would cultivate an excitement in our hearts for heaven and for you, Lord. We thank you again for this time. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for this church, Pastor Joe, Pastor Forrest, and all the work that they have done here with their families and this church. Lord, I pray for your blessings here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Joe. All right, real quick this morning with our head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. There's never been a time where the gospel message you accepted into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you, you can accept that this morning. Whether you're sitting here or you're watching by live stream, God loves you. He loves you supremely. He loves you sacrificially. He died for you upon that cross, was buried, and he rose again the third day so that you could have life. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? What a great message. It doesn't start. It doesn't stop after you get saved. That's where it starts. That's where it gets exciting. As we delve in to the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to change you. and To make you more like Him. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed. To piano playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come?
We have an old-fashioned altar at our church so that we can talk to God. I know you can talk to God right there, and you can talk to God at home, and I'm thankful for the access that we have to Him. But there's something about an altar. And if you need to come this morning for whatever reason, God's speaking to your heart, I invite you to come this morning. Another verse this morning. If you need to come, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Maybe you don't want to come to an altar. We'll do business with God right there at the pew. Listen, God's speaking to your heart. Don't take that for granted. Use this time that God has given us to speak to Him about whatever He's speaking to you about and do business with Him. If you need to come for whatever reason this morning, you come.